Welcome again. I want to explain what we're going to do today in this text. So if you're a guest with us, what we do by habit and also by conviction is we go exegetically straight through books of the Bible. We, we, don't, we don't teach topically as a lot of churches do. Uh, we go straight through books and let the Bible speak for itself. And so we've been in Hebrews for some time now. We've made it all the way to Hebrews chapter 11. And as a matter of fact, last week we, we, we walked through Hebrews chapter 11 on our graduation Sunday and saw how that, how that fit in the fact that our graduates and we as a people group, there is no greater calling in life to, than to have faith in Christ, in the personal work of Christ. And so we looked at that and we looked at the heroes of the faith. Well, here's the deal. We're going to hit Hebrews 11 again today. We're going to do it again today because there's some things that we just weren't able to to hang on to as as in-depth as I would have liked to, but also uh, because I think it really fits and it'll lead us into a continued moment of worship today as a faith family. So um, we're going to look at that. And so if you're a guest, you would go, okay, well, that means you just said you teach through books of the Bible, so if I come back next week, you'll be in Hebrews chapter 12. No. (laughs) Typically, yes. Typically, yes, that's exactly what would happen. Uh, But next week, I just want to remind you, we're taking a little bit of a mini break, and Dr. Al Saunders, the founder of Wellspring Counseling Clinic out of Birmingham, will be here. And Dr. Saunders will uh, focus on mental health, and we're going to look at what does it mean to choose joy in Christ. And so if, if you're like, hey, man, I've always wanted to have a therapist, but I can't afford it. Well, next week you can have one for free. Um, he will be here, and he's going to kind of help us walk through that. And we'll do that for two weeks, and then we'll pick back up with Hebrews 12 in, in the subsequent week. So does that make sense? So glad you're here. Hebrews chapter 11 is, is where we're at. Again, um, in 1987, um, the great theologian George Michael told us that we've got to have a faith, a faith, a faith. Got to have faith, a faith, a faith. You guys remember that. Now you're all singing it in your head, aren't you? All right, you'll go put it on Spotify on the way home. Well, he told us that. So so here's my question. We sing about faith. Uh, we, We quote about faith, songs. We tell people to have faith. Um, as a matter of fact, last week, we told you to have faith from the cradle to the grave all the way to glory. What does that look like? <clears throat> but here's the question. What is it? <laughs> you got to have faith, the faith, the faith. Great, that makes for a great pop song. But like, what is that? What does it mean to, to be a person who has faith? What, what even is the essence of faith? And, and I suppose that a lot of people in this room, as I asked that question... You just kind of contemplated that in your brain. So I want to ask you that again. What is faith? And many of you probably, if I'm guessing, have a definition of faith that kind of surrounds itself almost in a verb. Maybe we could say your definition that you just came up in your brain maybe had something to do with, well, it's, it's, it's faithing. Like I'm doing something. There's this activity. Will anybody admit that? Like your concept of faith is, okay, well, faith is me, like this verb, it's, it's me engaging in, in, in some kind of something. Um, the action, I guess we could say, of expressing belief. Faith could be defined as, and I'm not defining it this way, so let's get that on video. Faith could be defined as, okay, well, that's that thing of me expressing belief in something. It's that verbing. Does that make sense? 
Is verbing a word? Today it is, by gosh. Verbing. Right? Um, as a matter of fact, one worship singer, and it's a really, really good song that we joke about a lot. Uh, one worship leader, it's a great song. But in the middle of the song, he screams out to his church, Let's activate our faith tonight. Which is great. And everybody claps. And then you're left going, well, what are you activating? What does that mean? What is that? What is the essence of it? It sounds good. It sounds churchy. It sounds bible But again, I ask the question, what is faith? What is it that you're activating? And is that what faith is all about anyways? Us conjuring up something to be activated, right? Um, so maybe I could ask this question. Is faith just emotional assent? So there's something I want, so is there this, I conjure up this emotion to go, okay, I really, I'm really believing for that, just kind of this emotional assent. And if so, if it's emotional assent, are people expressing faith at the Taylor Swift concert? At the Morgan Wallen concert, when he plays? Um, is it... Is it before, you know, when everybody's watching Elvis Presley and they're conjuring up this emotional ascent, is that faith? So if your definition of faith is something of this conjuring up, I think that kind of falls flat, right? Um, or is it maybe intellectual agreement? Now you guys have heard something along these lines. Somebody snatch Matthew 18 right out of context and say, if two or more on earth agree about anything, then it will be done. That's the essence of faith, people will say. So that, again, number one, that's snatching that verse straight out of its biblical context. And in that biblical context, if you know, he's talking about church discipline there. um, And it ties back into the Old Testament about two or more had to agree on something before a charge could even be brought. And so there's just a lot going on there. But people will say, well, well, faith is not an emotional thing. It's an intellectual agreement. Two people have to agree together, and that's faith. And then God has to do something. I I think that's a little bit unfair to the text. um, And I think it could also be nonsensical. Here's what I mean by that. If that's the case, faith being two people have to agree on something, then can you ever have faith as an individual? Or do you have to have somebody agree with you? Yeah, you, you can express faith as an individual, certainly. So I think that definition falls flat for sure. And does God not just listen to our prayers alone? If two people have to agree, then you praying by yourself means absolutely nothing. That can't be the biblical definition of faith either. So uh, that certainly falls flat. And we could also take it to the next step. Do, do you have to... If we can just agree with one another to express faith, then I need one person in here who will agree with me finally that the Lord will give me a Mastercraft tomorrow. Anybody will join me in that so that we can finally get that Mastercraft. So if that definition of faith is this intellectual ascent, I think that is going to fall flat as well. So faith defined this way as agreeing, I think, can be dangerous. And honestly, just abusive theology. I think you can abuse people with that type notion. And leave a lot of people going, well, good grief. 
nothing's gone right in my life, so do I not have faith? Do I not have faith? That can be super dangerous. Or is faith just this kind of this blind stage dive? Uh, I honestly, I'll confess to you, I spent about 30 minutes this week looking up videos of people doing stage, stage dives that were fails. And you can get lost. I thought, buddy, this is going to be a great illustration. It's going to be fun and funny. And I laughed a long time. And then I thought, hey, if I play this, this is really going to distract from the text. But nonetheless, you today, as your wife is taking a nap, please go look up stage dives failed. There's some funny stuff out there, all right? But is faith that? Is faith just kind of this bah, blind leap and then the Lord has to catch me because I have expressed faith? Like, is that the definition of faith? I'm jumping and if I have real faith, then God will catch me. Kind of sounds like what Satan tempted Jesus with, isn't it? If you just jump, if you just jump, the angel's got to catch you. So I think this can be a, a faulty notion of faith as well. It seems that the writer of Hebrews is not after faith definition as a verb, but a noun. I think that's kind of where he's going with this. Um, faith as a noun, he even says this, assurance and conviction of something specific. So faith has to be rooted in something, not just blindness, but this assurance. And, and so he spent quite a while, as a matter of fact, we've been through ten chapters of him telling us that no one or no thing is more excellent than Jesus. Have you guys caught that throughout the time we've been through this? This has been his argument the whole time. Jesus, for ten chapters, is more excellent than angels, Moses, law, priests, um, all kinds of things. He's, more, he's the only one who can save us to the uttermost. He's all these things. He's more excellent. So he's pointing us over and over and over to an object. And he's told us that those who have faith in Christ, I will remember their lawless deeds and sins no more. To which we all celebrated and amened. And that sermon might have got the most replays on our video um, ever in the history of Safe Haven Church. It was just an incredible Sunday as we celebrated the grace of Christ. And what that means, he remembers our sin, lost these no more. So he ended chapter 10 with, So we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith. Because Jesus is these things, we have faith. Faith, and this kind of filters into our definition and preserves their soul. So, biblical faith cannot, it can't, church, it cannot be separated from a specific object or target. Faith is not blind. It's not just wishful thinking. It's not just emotionalism. It's not just mental assent. Faith is targeted at a noun, at a specific something to the writer of Hebrews. And that's the continuation of chapter 11. So chapter 11 says this. Here's the verse. Verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. What do we hope for as believers... Full redemption through Jesus Christ. That's the object. That's it. That is the definition of faith. So if your definition of faith is, okay, it's the assurance of things hoped for. I hope for a mastercraft. Therefore, the definition of faith is, I just have to have hope in something. No. That's the wrong target. 
That's the wrong object. The Bible has a definitive target. Faith is hope, assurance. All of chapters 1 through 10 in a specific someone, Jesus. That's the fullness of the context. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What has he been describing all the way throughout chapters 1 through 10? You have not seen the fullness of your salvation. That's what has not been seen. It's not, again, just blind faith. It's that these individuals have not seen glorification to its fullness. They've, they've, they've trusted in Christ. They're thinking about walking away from Christ. They're thinking about giving away everything they've ever believed to go back to works of law because they haven't been fully saved to the uttermost. Maybe we could say sanctified to the uttermost. They haven't received that fully. And so he's saying, listen, have faith. <laughs> Absolutely, the assurance of Christ and the assurance that Christ will give you what's not seen, that being your full completion of both salvation, sanctification, and glorification. All of it's rooted in Christ. That is your object of faith. For by it, faith in the coming Christ, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, the centrality of Christ over all things... We understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So God didn't take existing matter like Plato and just kind of spin it into existence. That's that's not what happened. His argument is, yes, the Father spoke the Word, but then Jesus, the object of faith, the direction of our faith, what defines faith, forward-looking to Him... He's the one who then moved as the Word to create the the world. And so this is his whole argument. Faith is rooted and grounded in Christ. It's Christ, Christ, Christ. If your definition of faith does not include Christ, it's a faulty definition. That's what he's getting at. Church, we got to get this. we got to get this. Or we'll fall for all kind of crazy, nutty definitions that people lob out there. And will also fall for all kind of crazy and nutty theology that will bind you. So, with that said, John chapter 3 says it this way, All things were made through Him, Jesus, and without Him, Jesus, was not anything made that was made. All things ultimately exist for His glory. All things. All things. All things. So, here's what I want to do. I want to spend a little bit of time emphasizing that for two reasons. Track with me. They'll be on the screen. Number one, life-giving faith is not a blind leap into wishful thinking for my good pleasure. Faith is not, so I can just wish something into existence that satisfies my palate or satisfies what I want when I want. That's not faith. Okay. This type definition has led one local preacher to declare... Faith is when God takes our dreams and makes them reality. To rousing applause. And hopefully now you see that's biblical nonsense. It doesn't include Christ. It's nothing more than any uh, psychobabble could say, hey, if you just kind of wish up things into existence, then God's got to give it to you. Hoo-hoo! And everybody goes, yeah! Yeah! 
I'm going to finally get that Mastercraft. If you've never heard before, I want a Mastercraft. Like, it, like it's on, uh, there, there's really, oh man, now that I say this aloud on Mother's Day, there's, there's a couple of things I want in life. Number one, to live with Julie Beth forever because she's the most incredible thing. Uh, uh, but also, number two is, way below my love for Julie Beth is a Mastercraft. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like way below, all right? Um, but it's kind of that nonsense. Faith is, my dream is to have a Mastercraft. And so when I conjure up enough faith, God will make my dreams reality. And everybody goes, yes! I like that God. The problem with that God is it's just not the God of the Bible. You can't find that God. And that leads people into a crazy notion of faith. Number two, I emphasize this because life-giving faith has a direct correlated object and intentionality in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Gotta have that. To be clear, it is indeed, faith is indeed trusting in something that's not explicitly seen. That's, that's true. There, there is that essence. So I'm not denying that. There is a verby notion. Okay? So in Christ... There is this intellectual assent. That's part of it. We do have intellectual assent and emotional assent towards Christ. Okay, that, that's, that's true. But unbelievers can have those things, which leads a lot of atheists and agnostics to say, I believe there's a God. I, I have an intellectual assent. I have an uh, emotional assent. But more specifically in Scripture, the Scriptures point us to faith being an intentional submission. That is what an unbeliever, atheist, agnostic, demon, Satan is not willing to do. I know it's there, but I'm not willing to submit. I'm not willing to give in. And in this room, there's probably many people who are right there. You're like, man, I... I, I love coming because I'm learning the Bible at Safe Haven and we're walking through books and that, that's cool and everything. I, I love that part. I don't know about this whole submission thing. Yeah. I, like, I like the lofty Jesus who will take me to heaven. I don't know about the earthly Jesus that my life conforms to gradually more and more and more. That's, that's, that's where it's at. So faith is this intentional submission. There's this element, this component to it, to a specific person. Now here's the thing. What part of my dreams and reality fit in that equation? Very little. My hope is in Christ. That's my focal point. That's my joy. That's, my, that's, my, that's what brings me life. And the writer of Hebrews is screaming to us to work that out. So a working summary. And, and I say working summary because I hesitate to say, hey, here's your definition of faith. I think a working summary is maybe a better way I'd like to phrase that. A working summary of, of a faith that works could, could sound something like this. Faith is, no matter if my hopes and dreams shatter like glass all around me, my assurance, my conviction, and my hope is steadfast in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's a faith that lasts. No matter what comes my way. My faith is secure because it's not rooted in my hopes and dreams. It's rooted in Christ. 
And the Bible over and over and over and over screams to us, have that type faith, the faith, the faith. Edward Moat in 1834 penned it this way. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, Say it for me. He then is all my hope and stay. You know the rest of it. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. That's faith. That's the essence of faith. A faith that lasts. A faith that's secure. When life shatters, the question is not, do you have faith when everything is going your way? The the question is, do you have faith when life stinks? And if you catch me when we walk out the door, I'll say it a whole nother way in North Portian English language. When life is just a piece of garbage, then do you have faith? Are you rooted in the sufficiency of Christ in that moment? That's a faith that lasts, church. That's a faith that will change your family. That's a faith that will change your workplace. That's a faith that will change your relationship with your kids. That's a faith that will change your relationship with your church. That's a faith that will change your relationship in your neighborhood. That's a faith that will work on the softball field. That's a church that will work, work on the baseball field. That's a, that is a faith that will work on the golf course for the love of all that is holy. When you smash it right into the tree, that's me, uh, when you smash it right into the pond and then take your club and smash that into the tree and then flip the golf cart over because you have anger issues. If that is hypothetically you, there's a faith in Christ that works in that situation. None of your dreams became reality. Everything crumbled around you and you go, ah, I hit it in the water, so what? Christ stands on the throne. It changes things. It's a different type of faith, church. That's the essence of faith. The whole matter of faith could be summarized as the conviction that Christ is the only thing that matters. That's the essence of faith. Maybe I could say it in one more way. In the words of uh, Paul. (laughs) He's praised a good one to go to, right? Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. Not my wants, not my pleasures, not my joys, not my things hoped for that look like trinkets on the earth, that I might gain Christ. Christ, and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, and that I may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection 
from the dead. Do you have that type of faith? And I know some of you in this room are like, I don't know. I don't like that. I've heard all my life. I can have whatever I want. Well, there's a lot of churches you can go to that will tell you that. We ain't one of them. Do you have that type of faith? A faith that is rooted in, I need Christ more than anything. A faith that loves Jesus more than anything you can gain. A faith that loves Jesus so much Everything else is come second to his worth. Everything. The kind of faith that is enamored with the fact that righteousness only comes from Christ's work, a faith that longs to be like Jesus in suffering. Or do you just long to be like Jesus when everything is goody gumdrops? That's faith. Notice Paul said nothing about having the perfect life, having the perfect family, having the Bible mastered, having your spiritual works and disciplines mastered, having all your hopes and dreams answered the way you want. He, he says nothing about those things, church. Nothing. What he focused on was, my faith is rooted in knowing Christ as my Lord, gaining Christ, being found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own, that I may by any means possible attain the resurrection from the dead. And all this comes from faith in the object and person of Christ, not my dreams and hopes. The conviction and assurance that Christ is better than all things. That's Hebrews. That's the whole book. If you've walked away learning anything else, you haven't listened to a word, go reread it. Go listen to it again. Let that fit in your soul. We all have a hole. And it cannot be filled with trinkets of this world and mastercrafts. It can only be filled with Christ. And without that, Christocentric substitutionary understanding of Hebrews 11, the rest of Hebrews 11 can sound like a bunch of superheroes that I can never measure up to. And that wasn't the writer's intent at all. There are 16 people listed of people who had faith. And if your understanding is they had emotional assent or whatever, then you probably will find yourself going, I'll never measure up to those guys. I'll just never fit. They're better than me. That wasn't his point at all. Matthew 17 says it like this. If you have faith like a mustard seed, tiny faith, you can do great things. Great things. You can grow and be... 
do incredible things for the glory of Christ. Small, dependent faith has an enormous effect. So the rest of Hebrews 11, as he starts rattling off Moses and Abraham and Enoch and all this kind of... I mean, Enoch, man, the dude never died. Right? That's pretty good faith. I go, I will never measure up to that. As a matter of fact, I've tried to... (laughs) I have put myself in situations in life where I should not be alive. All right? Many, many times, as many of you guys would go, amen to that. Like the only amen today will be amen to that. It is a miracle I'm alive. Okay? But it's only by God's grace. I can't measure up to Enoch. That wasn't his point at all. His point was they had faith in the object and person of the coming Christ. And that's what put them in the list. So if you have faith in the person and work of Christ, you fit in Hebrews 11 with Enoch. Who had a forward looking faith in the coming promised Messiah. That's faith. And he goes on to say in verse 39, you were like, man, we've only made it through two verses. Well, we just jumped 40 more ahead. There you go. So he sandwiches all those people of faith. He defines it. Then he talks about people who had it. And, and, and again, as Tyler pointed out last week, please do not go to... This is a divine list. It is an absolutely defective list of warped people. Go look at the crazy stuff they did. All right, Just hang out on Samson for a while. You don't have to go any further than Samson. That dude's life was a mess, okay? And he made it because of faith. And then he concludes with, and all these... Though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Let's look at that real quick. The writer says three things. Number one, he says what I've been trying to hammer. Their faith was in an object, a person. In this case... It was Jesus specifically, and they were not given that Messiah. That's what he's saying. They had the forward-looking faith, but they weren't given the Messiah. He, he still didn't come to them in person. Okay? He didn't come in their time to restore all things. They had this faith, and he didn't choose out of his covenant to inaugurate eternity. He, he, he chose not to in their time frame. He says that, number one. And then number two, he says, but the fact that they didn't receive that, that's better for us. That is good for us, church. We get to jump in on the faith promise because he didn't show up when they expressed faith. If he would have shown up and and inaugurated eternity, then we got a big problem. We don't get in, okay? So it was grace that they didn't get it. That's better for us. And we get to be listed among the people in chapter 11 of faith because he didn't show up in person and conclude it right there for them. And so, in this, the point is not these people were unwavering people of emotional assent without hiccup or scandal or whatever. The point is, in the midst of their scandal, they continue to have faith 
God didn't show up and shut the thing off, which is better for us. And then he goes on to say, number three, that they'll be made perfect when the final Christian is made perfect. Maybe today. Maybe today in this room, there's a person who God is awakening faith in your heart. And maybe you're the last one. And when the last one is saved, the role is then called up yonder, and then faith is concluded, and everything, we enter the joy of the Lord forever. Maybe today. Maybe today. And that's what he's saying. Apart from us, the last person coming to faith, it's it's not perfected just yet for them. So... Is earth and our bodies and the heavens completely renewed? Not yet. Not yet. We still live in a fallen, broken world with real diseases, with real struggles, with real chaos. And faith is the only thing that will get us through. Christ. And then he launches chapter 12. You can't understand chapter 12 verse 1 unless you understand all that. Therefore, because of all these things, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our church. Say it. For faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Don't let anybody dupe you into a definition of faith that merely tickles your ears and tickles your wallet. It's Christ. Christ alone. Well, how does that play itself out practically? On May the 14th, 2023, in real-time life situations. Number one, it plays itself out this way. Hey guys, we plead with you to have faith like River and Avit. We plead with you. That's how it works itself out. Come to me like a child. Child don't have to have it all answered. A child just goes, hey, I'm in. Jesus, I'm in. Tell me what to do. I'll do it. I'm in. When a lot of times we go, "Ah, if I can figure this out, master this, get this fixed, then I can work my way in. You can't. You can't. Have faith. Like... River and Avit, trust in the sufficiency of Christ. There's a good chance that River and Avit won't be perfect kids. Hey, yes, no. Are they perfect kids? No. They probably won't be perfect adults either. Just based off of, oh well, history. <laughs> like all of history. There's a probably good chance they won't be perfect kids. But there's a 100% assurance that through faith in Christ, they have both been made presently righteous and positionally righteous, 
as sons and daughters of the king through faith. We know that to be true, for sure. So I plead with you. If you don't have faith today, let today be the day of salvation. If God's waking your heart and go, yeah, I need to have faith and, and place everything in Christ's hand. Today, today, call on the Lord today, right here, right now. Repent of your sin. Trust in the finished work of Christ. Commit to Him as Lord and Savior. Believe on Him and today can be the day of salvation. You have heard the gospel today over and over and over and you'll continue to hear it again in just a minute. You've heard it. It's bouncing around the room. And maybe the Holy Spirit is reaching in and overcoming your resistance. Surrender to Him today. Trust in Him. That's how it applies. Number one, be saved. Number two, how does it apply? I don't, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, guys. I have not slept in several hours. So I don't know how this is going to go. I, I debated, okay, should we... Like, I don't know how to do this. Can I just be honest? I've been in ministry a long time. Since 1996. I don't know how to do this. So I thought about, well, let's just kind of call the service there and maybe let visitors go and... And visitor, hey, we love you. And we're so glad you're here. And we're glad it's Mother's Day. Man, we want you... Man, you can go. Hey, if you need to go, go. Please, please feel free to go. We're going to sing in a second, and you can go, and, and not one person in here will ever say a word. That's... Please, please feel free. I encourage you. Um, and we'll see. We'll see you next. Dr. Saunders is going to be here next week. He is. He is unbelievable. Okay, you need to be here. You need to bring your friends to be here to hear Dr. Saunders walk us through um, this. Um, but how else does this apply? We pray in faith. United as a people of faith. Over precious Eden. As she lays in children's right now. We united faith. And we pray over this baby. To be clear, we as a church will not have not because we ask not. We will beg and plead. And if the Lord says no, He says no. But we will pray believing He will say yes. So don't hear me saying... Okay, how does that fit? In? I think it fits. I don't think that contradicts at all. I think we have faith in the person work of Christ and we as a church united stand and we trust and we believe and we pray 
And if you're unaware of what's going on, I don't want to tell all of it. I just want to say this. We, we plead um, for Eden. Eden is uh, Jarrett and Jessica Shepherd's. Uh, I think Eden is four. Is that right? Am I right? Somebody? Okay, almost, almost four. Okay. Um, and, and so she's laying in Children's Hospital. And we plead in faith, as many pleaded yesterday. One pleaded this way, Lord Jesus, please be with our sweet girl Eden. Please, Lord, heal her. Lord, please help her now. Lord Jesus, we love you. We know that you're the giver of all good things and the miracle worker. Lord, please be with Eden. We pray that way in faith. We plead as another prayed, Lord, we ask you for complete healing for Eden. We ask you boldly and confidently because we know you are capable of anything. What a great and mighty God you are. We pray like that. We plead as another one prayed. Lord, we lift up Eden to you. We pray that you hold close to Jarrett and Jessica as they cling to you right now. Lord, guide each and every member of her healthcare team, guide their hands. I pray for competency, compassion, and that they are, um, act swiftly in your name. Heal her, Jesus. We pray that way. And then lastly, as one other prayed, man, this would hit me. What a bold prayer. <laughs> Lord, will you not now act? For the sake of your great name. Out of your abundance and mercy. And steadfast love. Glorify yourselves by sparing your servants. You are our only hope. We pray that way. We pray bold prayers. We agree. We are a church who's united in weeping, and we're united in rejoicing, and by gosh, today we're going to be united in requesting. To be clear, we will, by faith, trust in Christ's sufficiency and glory no matter what His sovereign will is. We will trust in His sufficiency. That's the essence of faith. No matter His sovereign will, I'm in. And if He brings Eden home to glory, He is holy, He is just, He is good, and He is wise. And if He gives us a Mother's Day miracle... He is holy, He is just, He is good, and He is wise. Our God is able. So our individual faith and our collective faith 
both individually and as a collective body, is complete and utter submission to the all-sufficiency of Christ Jesus. Jesus is not a rabbit's foot. He's the Savior of our souls. And that's faith. Come hell or high water, Jesus Christ alone, the hope of glory. So with all that in mind, we are indeed going to bombard the throne room for Eden together.